Hey, everybody, this is Stu Helm, the food fan. I'm not around this week, so please enjoy this encore presentation of the Asheville Food Fans radio show. Hey, everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting show for you. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Asheville, North Carolina. It's been really nice here. A little hot and sunny for yours truly. But if I stay in the shade, the wind is blowing. It's all good. And I like to see the happy faces of the other people. I like me a dark and gloomy day. And I got plenty of those as winter transitioned into summer. And we didn't really have much of a spring to speak of. But anywho, uh, let's talk about food. And, uh, oh, wait, before I do anything else, I need to do a correction from last week. Last week, I made a mistake, and I made it over and over again. During my segment about judging the capstone dinner at AB Tech, I called Chef Chris Budger. I called him Chef Burger over and over again. And, yeah, that's an embarrassing mistake, especially for me, because everybody's like, already thinks that I've got nothing on my mind but burgers. And then here I go calling Chef Budger, Chef Burger, but he doesn't deserve that. And I apologize to Chef Chris Budger from AB Tech. I'll get it right from now on. Although I, it wouldn't surprise me if the next time I just call Chef Chef Deep Fried Hot Dog or something like that. You know, I've just got food on the brain. That's the way it is. Um, and I'm going to have some reviews reviews for you uh, at the end of the show. And I've got two interviews for you this week. Um, but before I do any of that, I want to do a little bit of an FAQ. And today on my FAQ, I have two questions. And these are actual questions that I got from people online. And the first question is, do the restaurants pay me to eat their food and write reviews? Do the restaurants pay me? to come to their restaurants and eat their food and write reviews? And the answer is no. N-O, no. The, no restaurant has ever paid me to come eat their food and write reviews. Now, when I first started writing reviews 10 years ago, and I wasn't hardly making any money, um, I did get paid to do the social media for two different restaurants, and that was Barley's and The Junction. Neither of those are around anymore. Uh, R.I.P. to those because Barley's in particular was just so awesome. If anybody remembers Barley's, uh, you know, give me a shout out because it was so great. And both of those restaurants and the Junction was awesome, too. And the chef from the from the Junction, Chef David Van Tassel, is now cooking for Sovereign Remedies and Asheville Beauty Academy. So you can still check out his food there. Um, but both of those restaurants, I just loved very much. And I thought, Hey, I'm good at social media. Maybe I'll make some money doing social media for the restaurants I love. And they would just pay me to be their social media person. And that lasted a couple of months and I wasn't really all that into it. And I decided I'm not going to get paid by the restaurants to do anything. Like if, I guess if a restaurant wants to hire me to consult with them, before they open or if they're struggling or whatever. I, no, if, I'm not going to charge anybody to do that. If they're struggling, why would I charge them? You know, what I do for the restaurants 
and with the restaurants I do because it's kind of my hobby. I mean, I do get paid because I'm a food tour guide. That's where I make my money. I, I, you heard me hesitate to call uh, what I my food blogging a hobby because I I want that to be my job. I really do, and I get paid to write for Substack. Um, and please pay for a subscription to Substack. Just look me up, Stu Helm, food fan, Substack.com. You should be able to find me. And um, and paid subscriptions are what I want to do. And I, I make a nice chunk of change doing that. But I also do food tours. And, and eating out, going out to eat is part of that. Like it's part of being a food blogger and it's part of being a food tour guide. That's just like the cost of doing business is going out to eat for me. So contrary to the restaurants paying me to come and eat their food, I spend a ton of money on food in this town. And sometimes I say I probably spend more money than anybody else on food in this town. And that might literally be true. Now, uh, for myself, on a one-on-one basis, I know people with families are spending like tons of money on food, but for Per capita, I think I'm a pretty big spender in the food scene in this city. And um, so, yeah, no no restaurant has ever paid me. And let me just tell you, no restaurant ever would. Like, I can't imagine any scenario where a restaurant would pay me or anybody else to come eat their food. That seems completely, utterly ridiculous. And... um, and if, but let's imagine that, that that is something that the restaurants would do and something that I was doing, like I was being paid to come and eat the food and write reviews. Like, let's just imagine that that was happening. I would be very out in the open about that. Like, I wouldn't keep that a secret. That would be my business at that point. And I would need to tell the world, like, hey, you, if you pay me, I will come write a review of your food. But but no, I don't get paid by the restaurants at all. Far from it. I pay them to cook for me and serve me. And I sometimes I, my food gets comped. Sometimes, like, I don't know, like maybe 10 to 15, 20% of the time, maybe something on the menu, something on my bill will be comped or, and sometimes people invite me to tastings, which I don't pay for. Those are invitations. That's, that would be weird, but they don't pay me either. Like they don't give me money to come do a tasting. They just lay out a ton of food (laughs) and you know, that's, it's fantastic. I, I love it. And then I do, you know, a lot of social media for them and, it's it's like a copacetic relationship with no money exchanging hands. And so that's the answer to that question. Do the restaurants pay me to come eat their food and write the reviews? The answer is no. And the next question is, are, are there any restaurants I don't like? And this one, I, I get this all the time. And I feel like it's facetious, of course, because it's a way of sort of saying, like, this guy writes nothing but good reviews, which is true. I write nothing but good reviews. I write positive reviews about food that I like. But that doesn't mean that I don't eat food that I don't like. The food that I don't like, you'll never hear about uh, because it's not something I do. I don't write negative reviews. I feel like negativity 
there's a lot of it in this world already. And I don't, I, I honestly don't feel like negative reviews pro provide any value to the um, reader. So, but do, are there restaurants I don't like? Yes, there are. And will I name them right now? No, I will not. And are they ones that nobody likes? No, I don't like restaurants, some of which everybody likes. Um, and I'm kind of an outlier on that. And I, you know, so I'm not going to be like publicly saying I don't like this restaurant. And then I'd have to argue with a bunch of people about it. Right. Like they'd all be like, oh, you're effing crazy. And I just have to field a lot of negativity if I did that. And I don't really need that in my life. And so I don't want to invite it into my life. So the question is, are there any restaurants I don't like? The answer is yes, there are restaurants right in this city that I don't like. And let me tell you, the last two restaurants that I got a really bad meal at, they went out of business. And that made me sad for both of the restaurants, even though I got a bad meal at both of them. One of them I had had many great meals at, but I think something was going wrong. Um, and the other one was new-ish, and I had a terrible meal there. And that's all I'll say about those two restaurants, because guess what? A restaurant that's not cooking good food in this town will tank. And I know I, I've said in the past that bad food is the last reason restaurants go out of business. That's true. Um, bad food is rarely the reason, but bad food will be almost 100% guarantee that you will go out of business. And inconsistency is, is a form of bad food, even if it's good sometimes. If it's not always good, then you're going to go under. Any hoodles? So there you go. A little bit of FAQ for you. Now let's uh, listen to a little bit of my theme song. And I like to say every once in a while that the theme song is called Cheese Wagon, an appropriate name for this show, which is about food. And I do love cheese. And it's by a band called the Dorita Sisters. That's D-E-R-I-T-A. That's an old, old punk band. And you can look them up on YouTube. You can find my entire theme song. It's about 30 seconds long in its entirety. I chop it up for these little vignettes in between pieces. But yeah, you can and you can listen to a lot of other Dorita Sisters songs on YouTube. They have a large catalog. All right, y'all. I'll check in with you after the music. Hey, everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan, and we're back here at Food Fan headquarters. And joining us now is one of my favorite people in the food scene who is just so unique. Uh, it's a woman that I saw first online on Facebook doing her thing. And I was so impressed that we became Facebook friends and we've met a couple of times in person and I've actually had her on the show. Uh, her name is Catherine Wright. And what Catherine does is she, I mean, she does something for a living that we don't need to talk about, but unless she wants to, but what, what I'm interested in is that she books food trucks for her neighborhood. So she's just a person, a civilian, an eater, 
who books food trucks for her neighborhood and has done for quite a while and is very successful at it. And today, I'm hoping that Catherine will teach me and you and everyone how to book a food truck for your neighborhood. Hi, Catherine. How are you today? I'm great, Stu. How are you? I'm doing fine. It's a beautiful day here in Asheville. It is. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Are you going to get out there and enjoy it? I'm going to try to. Whenever it's sunny, I try to get out as much as I can. So the last few days have been beautiful. So I yeah, can't complain. I yeah, yeah. It's part of why we all live here. Exactly. Yeah. So you heard my big setup, and I've invited you here to talk to us about the process. So basically to give everybody a little tutorial on how to book a food truck for our neighborhood. So I'm just going to let you go and let you do that. How does it happen? Well, you know, it's something that I sort of learned um, just by trial and error. But basically, I'm part of a community that has a social events committee. And so I was recruited by them to help them plan events. And one of the things they'd mentioned is that they were having trouble getting food trucks to visit our neighborhood. And they put some effort into it, but they maybe had one or two food trucks um, booked for uh, a year. And it was just really difficult to get them to buy into coming to our community, which we found hard to believe because we have a great community here of almost 140 homes. Um, and it, we have a beautiful community park that um, would be perfect for food trucks. So um, I sort of learned, and I think I've got a good routine over the last three years of booking food trucks. But the first thing I thought we needed to do was first find out, um, are our neighbors really interested in supporting food trucks? And so um, I got onto, we have a private Facebook group page just for our neighborhood. And I used the polling on there to ask about uh, which day of the week would they be interested in ordering from a food truck um, and kind of got, you know, that information. Then I asked them what time frame would be best because people work and have kids and really wanted to maximize the time for our food trucks. Once we found out that there was a good level of interest in the neighborhood, um, then I started to reach out to food trucks and, and explain what I was trying to do and understand what they were looking for in terms of sales or um, a prepaid guarantee. Uh, we don't really have the budget where we can do a prepaid guarantee unless there's a, an event, like if we had like a, uh, you know, a summer potluck or something, or, uh, you know, like a, a, a yard sale or something that we'd bring a food truck in, maybe we would have a budget for that. But this was more of like a routine thing we were hoping to do for our neighbors as a service uh, to bring the community together without having to spend a lot of money. So um, what I found was a lot of food truck operators at the time were really working just on prepaid guarantees because they are looking for solid sales. If they're going to have food prepped and they're going to show up with staff, they want to have some dependable level of sales. And they often get those from, you know, gigs at breweries or at events like festivals. So neighborhoods can be a little bit tricky. Um, so, you know, really one of the first trucks I worked with is Tin Can Pizzeria. And they said that if I could get 200 pizzas sold, then they would be on board. <laughs> so that was a good concrete number to work with. And I knew Tin Can was a popular favorite. Many of the neighbors had known and heard of them or wanted to try them. So I posted a um, poll specifically on, I'm trying to get Tin Can to come in. We need to get a commitment of 200 pizzas. Who's in? And here's the time, here's the date. And we were able to get that number hit quickly. Uh, people were so excited. So when I went back to Chris and said, I got the poll, they're in, here's the date, will you try us? He said, sure. And, um, you know, we set up pre-ordering at the time because um, we were 
beginning kind of the beginning phases of COVID at that point, by the time we actually booked them. And um, pre-orders have been really a successful thing for food okay. trucks in, in a community. It's a little different than, you know, a brewery or festival where yeah. people are hanging out anyways. This right. is, you know, people in their homes that um, they might come out to the park to hang out. They might not, especially if there's weather, um, you know, issues like rain or whatnot. Right. Uh, but basically they open up pre-orders and the phones were ringing off the hook. When I placed my order, I couldn't get through to Chris. It was, it was, it was that busy where it was, you know, couldn't get unable to get through. And he told me that they sold out in 200, 200 pizzas. Tell everyone that's it. We're not taking any more orders. So I had to post on Facebook. We've uh, hit the limit. Uh, we're all good. So that really sort of kicked things off Okay. Uh, with, with working with Tin Can. And uh, it was a great success and the neighbors loved it. So I think for anyone who's looking to book a food truck, the first thing you really want to do is reach out to your neighborhood. And if you have social media or a way to communicate via email, that's number one, because not only do you need to get the interest level gauge, but ongoing communication when the truck is booked and going to actually arrive is also key mm -hmm. um, because people are busy and they forget what's happening and yep. we don't want a food truck parked there and, and really no one coming up to order. So um, zeroing in on the interest, getting the communication channels is is important. And then after you've gotten that you know level of interest of you know how many neighbors, you know the day of the week, you know the time frame, um, you can reach out to food truck operators and owners. And I do that primarily through social media, mm -hmm. um, Instagram, Facebook. Your new food truck uh, Facebook group is great. It's such a great new resource. Cool. I found so many new food trucks from that that Aww. groups too. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And so, yeah, that's a food truck group on Facebook. And um, it's just called something like Asheville and WNC Food Trucks. So everybody join. And yeah, that's it. I'm glad people are really using it, Catherine. I, when I started it, I was like, all right, I just want to kind of get this started and hopefully it'll run itself. And boy, howdy, it's running itself real good these days. So I'm glad you're utilizing it because you're kind of my perfect target audience for that. <laughs> For that space but i didn't mean to interrupt you keep going about oh yeah no it's 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 been fantastic so um with the food truck owners i'll share the neighborhood size the location for the food truck like if you have a park or somewhere that, that they can park that's great you know whether there's power or um you know a, a flat area a lot of food trucks like to be parked on a flat area based on food prepping um, and then to let them know what the gen the general neighborhood interest or commitment level is um and you know the day of the week for us because we're not operating on a guarantee, a prepaid guarantee. I let them know that, mm -hmm. uh, but then it helps if you get one or two food trucks that come out. You can get an estimate of number of sales, and it could be anywhere from you know some food trucks are willing to sell share like how many dollars in sales they've actually made. Mm -hmm. Some I just ask them like how many entrees or how many plates have they sold, mm -hmm. and that gives them a good gauge too. So um, you know. I've dug in a little deeper because food trucks really want to know, especially if they're taking gamble neighborhoods, because they might have had some bad experiences in the past where they've been at a neighborhood and the sales have been really low. Yes. So I usually share with them, here are the names of trucks I've visited. Here's the average sales, low side, high side, and see if they are on board to give us a chance. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, from there, uh, if there is an event, like we have a summer splash event where we invite kids to jump on these water inflatables, go down the water slides. That one has a very clear projection of how many people are going to be there, kids and adults. Okay. And uh, that's, you know, if you're having an event, you can say here, I'm expecting 75 kids, 200 adults. 
and that will give them attendance level. If it's just a food truck coming in on like a Thursday, Friday for the neighborhood, um, you know, I let them know in our neighborhood on the low side, we'll sell maybe 40 plates on the high side, 200. Okay. And it, 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 it does vary based on, um, I found, um, how, how much the menu appeals to the residents too. So sometimes something a little more exotic doesn't have the high sales that something a little more familiar is. And it just is the nature of, you know, a mixed area with young and old people from yep. all over the world. And, yep. uh, you know, you kind of hit that middle and yep. you get like an outpouring of people where mm-hmm. something a little more exotic, you kind of lose some of those people, you know? There, there are, believe me, I know this from doing food tours, man. I spent a lot of time with a lot of different people and the tolerance for spice is a big one, right? Like yeah. if you're having, I'll just say like a Thai food truck come mm-hmm. to the neighborhood, some people are going to be like, ah, Thai food's so spicy. I'll skip that yeah. one this week. But I mean, if it's fried chicken and biscuits and people are going to yeah. show up, right? Like, yeah. It's, so. it's fascinating because I'll get people requesting certain types of food or healthier food mm-hmm. and we'll book it. And for whatever reason, it doesn't do as well as like totally unhealthy, great, it's, you know, down home American food that that always is a hit. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, and this is just a thought I'm having right now for the first time. I think like when people have a food truck coming to their neighborhood it is in itself such a special thing that you you kind of don't want to stick to your diet that day yeah. so much. You know, you can eat healthy yeah. at home. You can cook a healthy <laughs> meal at home. But yep. and, and then like we already discussed about the exotic food, it's going to be super popular with some people and yes. not with most people. That's um, right. Yeah. So that's yeah. those are good tips on how to gauge that. So um let me uh, just kind of reiterate a little bit because this was so informative. Um, I liked it that your first truck was a by the piece adventure. Mm-hmm. Like you just had to mm-hmm. guarantee they made one thing, pizza. You just had mm-hmm. to guarantee that they were going to sell 200 pizzas, which sounds like a ton of pizza to me, right? Like sounds almost insurmountable. But you didn't have to sell the pizzas. You just put it out there and provided the phone number to the pizza truck. So that's right. You didn't create a ton of work for yourself and a big list and everybody send me your Venmo account and all that. No. no. So you're you're not creating a full-time job for yourself here, Catherine. You've got one. And so the um I love it that you started with Tin Can. They're an old favorite. I gave them an award once for best pizza in Nashville. And um and so that sounds like an easy place to start, either with Tin Can itself or some other venue that sells one or two items and they can give you a number. Like if you mm-hmm. can and then you do pre-sales. And that is like a really helpful piece of information that pre-sales can help grease the wheels and you don't always need to do them, but do you do them still? Or was that just in the beginning? We still do them. And it's interesting because this is the first year that pre-sales are really an option versus the norm. The, even, you know, last year we, we're still relying heavily on pre-sales. Okay. Um, and so for example, we had Master Barbecue out here, which oh, they're amazing, yeah. amazing pop-up, beautiful people to work with, food yes. is outstanding. Yeah. It was pre-sale driven because they like to do that. They do a lot of catering. Uh-huh. Um, and for a residential area, I will say that pre-sales really have seemed to be the better way to go than just walk-up only. 
And I think it's a couple of reasons. One is there's a commitment level there and it's on the plan that dinner tonight is from the spender yep. and rain or shine. They're going to come yes. down there and they're going to get their food. So um, even though they haven't paid in advance, a lot of cases they're paying when they pick up the food, you know, it's, 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 it's a commitment level. So um, we saw very big swing on the vendors that did do pre-sales versus the vendors that didn't this year. Um, as far as sales commitment. And then the, the ones that do pre-sales still get a lot of walk-ups. Um, yeah. But, you know, what weather can affect that a little bit. But I I will recommend moving forward after the last few trucks we've had that this information, that pre-sales have definitely given sales boosts for most of our trucks. And I think it's just more, you know, maybe people get home, they're tired from work and have other things going on. But, oh, wait, I have that order. I'm going to go swing by and pick that up. Uh, at the very least versus, you know, you know what, let's just eat leftovers in the fridge, you know, or whatever it is. So I think you nailed it a hundred percent. I, I know the eaters in this town pretty good and they are made out of sugar. They do not like to go out in the rain. Right. And so, <laughs> but they're essentially very nice people who don't want to screw over a food truck. So whether yeah. or not they've paid, they're going to show up and get the food they ordered because yeah. they know that the truck bought and prepared that food for them. That's so I, I love that because that is actually, I didn't know that that was the way you did that. So perfect step-by-step okay. uh, -step instructions. Gauge the willingness of your neighborhood. If you don't have neighborhood-specific social media, start one. That That's mm -hmm. crucial. Let's put that as number one. Start If for you sure. don't have social media, start it. Uh, start even an email chain. Uh, and then gauge interest in food trucks, reach out to a food truck, do the buy the piece thing first, like certain number of pieces need to be sold, do pre-sales, pick a space that's nice and flat and, yep. and optimally has electricity. If it doesn't, they'll bring a generator. Yep. Generators are loud and create smoke. And mm -hmm. so there's a reason why you might want to find a space with some electricity for your food truck. And then it's a neighborhood. So it's not like you got to find a new space every time. Right. And, and then bada bing, bada boom. Once word gets out, this neighborhood's a good place to park a food truck. You're going to get yeah. interest from the food trucks. You won't have to do as much outreach. Does that sound about yeah. right? Did I hit it yeah, all? Yeah, that, that, that does. I would say the only other thing I would add is I do, um, like a week before the food truck comes, an email with the menu, photos of the food. Usually it's on their social media page or I ask them for a current one. And then um, the day before a reminder goes out in the day of. And okay. so, you know, it's really easy for me because I have my smartphone. I'm just doing it right on Facebook. Um, we do do some e email for the folks that aren't on social media. So they only get the two emails the week before and um, the day of. Okay. Um, but, um, on social media, I do a little more, you could do Facebook events within your group as well for people who use that events feature and right. they can post questions on there. You can put the menu on there as well. And that way it's a little less noisy. It just kind of stays mm -hmm. on the events page. Yeah. Um, but I, I do encourage trying to promote it that way too. I know some folks have said, um, thank you so much for doing that. Cause it just sort of reminded me that they're coming or, uh, I wasn't planning to go, but I was wondering what to do for dinner and it popped up that we have a food mm -hmm. truck. So uh, it's, it's just another good way to keep connected to your residents and neighborhood. The power of social media cannot be denied. Uh, yes. These days I'm blown away just by my own social media. <laughs> like I've got 15,000 followers and I regularly am reach. I, I put a post out the other day that 
the Facebook reach was like 28,000. And I oh was just gosh. like, holy moly, man. And that was for some local restaurant that made me a great yeah. taco, you know? So, oh, yeah. um, so social media is still awesome and really the way to connect. It is our daily newspaper in a way. Mm -hmm. we, we check it to see what's happening in our neighborhoods and stuff. Exactly. And Catherine, final question before I let you go. Yeah. Um, how much time did you have to commit in the beginning and how much time do you feel like you commit to it these days? Um, I would say in the beginning, um, I spent like maybe a weekend, like Saturday and Sunday, sort of in the margins, sitting on the couch, you know, messaging out either in face on social media to the residents or to some food trucks. Okay. Uh, but then, you know, it was really just getting that set up. And then the, the um, actual sort of, like I'd say now that we, we used to book, a food truck every week. Now mm. it's more two per month. Okay. Um, so when it was every week, I would say that is maybe like 30 minutes a week that I would spend. Uh, a lot of times I set this stuff up because I'm so organized. I set things up earlier and I just kind of schedule them to go out. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an email um, system that we can do that. And so I already have like the next food truck set for like the next two months, you know, okay. just to automate out. So it, I would say it's like 30 minutes a, um, a week if well, 30 minutes per food truck to set up. So okay. These days now, I don't do anything as far as gauging the interest in setting up food trucks, but at the beginning of the season, so usually around February, I reach out to food trucks and I book them all the way through October. So say in February, again, it'll probably be like maybe an hour to, to blast out kind of a templated email to the food trucks and I get the responses back. Then I just send them the, the uh, dates that they're booked and mm -hmm. I'm done. Um, so great. you kind of just, you know, you kind of will get it down to science. It might seem daunting at the beginning, um, but, uh, you know, I probably do a little more on the food truck promotion side of things within my social media than most people do. Like, uh, typically, they probably okay. just have the food truck show up and see what happens. But, you know, I'm sort of a, a patron of the hospitality in industry, so I like to see people be successful. Yes. So I probably do a little more than than others do. Yeah, but that's why your neighborhood can host two food trucks a month. That's phenomenal. Uh, one a week, that's incredible. But even two a month, that's and and the fact that you only spend an hour a month, let's say, yeah. uh, doing this now, um, and the benefit to you and your neighborhood and your family uh, is is great, in my opinion, to have the great food trucks of Asheville show up to your neighborhood. That's yeah. awesome. And for you to be a, a neighborhood that supports those food trucks and have a good reputation and are well liked in the food truck community, I think it's all good. Like, I love it. Great. And I hope that other people are inspired by you to um, to do the same for their neighborhoods. Even if it's a one off, it can be a one off as yeah. long as you can hit that guaranteed number of pizzas sold or whatever it is. So um, thank you so much, Catherine, for coming back on the show and talking to us about this. Thanks. It was fun. Thanks, too. Have a great day. You, too. All righty, folks, we're back and we're here in Food Fan Headquarters and visiting us today, one of my favorite people in the food scene, a recurring guest and an awesome person. Jen Hampton from AFBU and more recently with um, the uh, Just Economics WNC. Hey, Jen, how are you today? 
Hey, Stu, I'm doing pretty great. I hope you are. I am for sure. It's another beautiful day here in Western North Carolina. It's a uh, gorgeous day. Yeah, sunny, breezy, beautiful. Uh, me and my wife are going to get out there on the trail later. And, nice. Yeah, walk up and down the I'm, river. Yeah. I'm going to get out there and go canvassing, talking to workers downtown, just, just as an excuse to get out in the sunshine. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. And let's, uh, I use the, the letters, but let's say AFBU, Asheville Food and Beverage United, the sort mm -hmm. of proto-union going on here in Asheville that Jen has been at the forefront of since its very beginning. And Jen, you're more recently with Just Economics. So let's start there. You mentioned that you're about to have and um, participate in a tenants' rights workshop with mm -hmm. an effort to grow a tenant's network. Can you tell yes. us more about those things, please? Yeah, absolutely. So we are doing this workshop four different times during May and June. Um, today is the first one. It's going to be at the East Asheville Library. Um, but then we're going to have one on Zoom next week and then another one in person in um, June at the West Asheville Library and then one on Zoom as well in June. Um, and the purpose of the workshop is to teach us, it, it's, we're co-hosting it through Just Economics and Pisgah Legal. And Pisgah Legal is going to be doing a presentation and question and answer session, just talking about what our rights are as renters in North Carolina. Because um, like myself, most people aren't really aware that we do have some rights, you know, not a whole lot in North Carolina, but we do have some. Mm -hmm. And um, so we'll be learning that. And then also, just economics, I'm going to be discussing what, how to start forming a tenants network where we can get together and strategize and um, act collectively to make changes at the local level, the state level, and who knows, maybe even at the national level. And that sounds so interesting. Um, are tenants mm -hmm. networks something that have been formed and have been proven to work in other cities that are struggling with the high cost of rent? Absolutely. Um, one that I'm going to be talking about during the workshops is uh, started in a city called Burien, Washington. It's a suburb uh, near Seattle. Okay. And they um, basically, long story short, um, they didn't have a just cause eviction clause in the state. So landlords can just evict you for no reason once your lease is up. Just say, I don't like you. You're out. Mm -hmm. um, so one woman had enough and she started a campaign and, um, the city of Burien after a couple years passed a city ordinance that landlords had to have just cause to evict tenants. And that soon spread across the state. And then last year it became a state law that tenant, that landlords have to have just cause. So it just started with one person in one little city and, it just sparked change across the state. And I am positive that we can do the same thing here. That's awesome. What a great story about a mm -hmm. real concrete example of a success. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like they had an issue that they went after the the just cause uh, thing. So will you be pinpointing issues and going after those specific issues? We will, but... We, we want this to be led by the people most impacted by the situation. So we're going to be doing these workshops and recruiting people to start this tenants network. And then 
um, in August, we'll have our first meeting and we'll start to strategize and figure out what exactly the biggest issues are for people um, and go from there and figure it out together what we want to do and who can give us what we want and then how to go about getting it. That's great. And is this something mm -hmm. that anybody in Western North Carolina who is a renter could participate in? Absolutely. Um, anybody who wants to join, we're going to be starting here with Buncombe County. And hopefully it'll be a model for other counties and cities to follow suit. Nice. Um, that's great, Jen. Uh, you're so awesome. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> full of compliments for you. Um, but anyways, let's, uh, I admire what you do. Let me put it that mm -hmm. way. Not everybody wants to work in these environments where, you know, it's not just like you go to work, you do the thing and you're done. Right. Right. It's like these problems, it's societal problems that you're taking on, and those just take a lot of effort. So I really do it appreciate does. you. That's what I mean when I say you're awesome. Um, Thanks, you. And let's talk about what's going on with AFBU, the, the um, Food and Beverage United. Uh, you mentioned that there's something called the WNC Workers' Assembly. Can you explain that yeah. a little bit more? Absolutely. So the WNC Workers Assembly is part of the Southern Workers Assembly, which is a movement to organize workers at the grassroots level for collective action and organize the South specifically, um, because that's where we need it the most. We're the most exploited in the country down here in the South, as you know. Um, so AFBU has been part of the Workers Assembly since we started. They've been an integral part of helping us to organize. And um, it's, a, it's a way for leaders and worker leaders and just workers from all various kinds of industries. We come together once a month and figure out how to support each other's efforts. Um, so it's just, you know, it's a big network of organizers coming together to make changes. Um, so that said, AFBU is teaming up with Workers' Assembly this summer for what we're calling Solidarity Summer, which we launched on May Day. And our first presentation is going to be at the June meeting, which most of our meetings are over Zoom on the first Monday of the month. And the first one's going to be called Labor 101. AFBU is going to be presenting it at the meeting. It's a basic discussion about the basics of labor organizing, that's short history, how the government is in, involved, how the media plays a role, and what we can do to start combating the forces that keep us from organizing. That's and, great. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. We have more coming in the summer, but I'll tell you about those as they come up. Okay. And you have pretty good participation at these type of things? People show up? People mm -hmm. interested in this topic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did this presentation at UNCA in March, and uh -huh. we had about 50 students show up and some other community supporters. Um, it was standing room only, so that was pretty exciting. Um, and we had a question and answer session at the end, which was super engaging. Um, about 45 minutes. We, we had allotted 30 minutes, but people were just so interested and had so many great engaging conversations and questions that we just kept it going until they were done. So That's awesome. I'm anticipating there will be a lot of interest for this as well. That's great. That's nice to hear. Uh, an mm -hmm. extended Q&A is definitely a good barometer of 
how interested people are because you know you've been to events where it's like any questions anybody and it's crickets mm -hmm. crickets yeah people room, are like so. eh, i'm ready to get out of here that's my only question yeah exactly <laughs> where's the exit um so uh before we move on to something a little bit uh kind of fun i want to do a follow-up i and i forgot to mention this in the pre-show that we did but um do, can you give me an update give our audience an update on what's happening at, at green sage how's it going with their with their mm. union that they put in is are the workers happy is the owner are the owner's fears waylaid uh how's it going i think so yeah um i talked to ariana who's the leader of their union and and apparently Randy Talley has reached out to the Teamsters to go ahead and get the contract, the negotiations for the contract started. So he's not fighting it anymore. He seems to be respecting their decision. So I've been telling folks who were concerned about eating there, go ahead. It's cool now. They won their union. Andy's being, uh, Randy's being, um, I don't know, supportive is the right word, but he is being congenial, I guess. He's, he's, he's going being cooperative. with cooperative cooperative that's the word out there we for. go well we'll have to come up with a new chant randy tally is cooperative it'd be hard <laughs> to make a rhyme with that one jen i'll leave it up to you professional protesters um so that's great and i'll i'll mm -hmm. check in with you on green sage it's kind of going to be our test sample uh while we see because there was resistance from ownership Owners are scared mm -hmm. of unions. It's understandable why they're scared of unions. Yeah. Unions aren't here to put businesses out of business. They're no. here to make the businesses better by having a happier, more solid staff. We know that staffing is a huge issue these days. So making your staff mm -hmm. happy is everybody's concern. So hopefully by the end of all of this, Randy Talley will be inviting other owners to allow their uh workers to unionize hopefully oh, that'd be awesome hopefully it'll go all that good um all right let's move on to something a little more fun than the usual um you guys are participating in beer week yes yes we are we are hosting what we're calling solidarity bingo um it's going to be an, uh, an interactive sort of thing it's, obviously it's bingo and through the bingo we're going to be just basically giving people information about what unions actually are, um, common union busting tactics, um, busting myths about unions, and giving away some prizes, some cool merch. Cool. It's going to be at Dissolver on um, Tuesday the 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m. Okay. Um, Dissolver is such a cool place. Like mm -hmm. Everybody knows I don't drink, probably getting tired of hearing me say that. But I still love a really unique brewery, mm -hmm. bar, or wine shop, whatever. I love that atmosphere. I don't hang out for hours like I used to, mm -hmm. but if there's an event or a pop-up, I, I like to show up at those kinds of venues. And Dissolver is just a cool-looking place, a cool-feeling place. They have a great little patio right next door, and they're right yeah. down there on North Lexington Avenue And my old favorite part of downtown. I, when I first moved to Asheville, I gravitated straight to Izzy's Coffee Den. Yes. And North Lexington Ave was my jam, man. It was like I love Lexington. It's it's just cool. You know, it, it's not as touristy as like Broadway. Nope. It's like, it's cool little sibling right back there, you know, where all the yep. cool kids hang out. Yep. I love it too. It's still got that grit, that Asheville yes. grit. 
Asheville grit. All right, Jen. Well, you we'll just quickly say that you're also interested in participating in Chow Chow. So we'll see how mm -hmm. that works out. Chow Chow is going to be the big uh, summer food event this year. And I, I actually sat down and had some dinner with a couple of the organizers. And this year, it sounds awesome. For one thing, there's a lot of unticketed events that are just free to the public to show up. And I, I'm not sure if it's sample the food or purchase the food, but they really are not just saying like, hey, 80 bucks a ticket to get in here. They're saying, hey, Asheville, come to Chow Chow. So they want well, to be more. Cool. Yeah, they want to be a little more egalitarian. So having AFBU involved would be a perfect way to achieve some of that. Um, now let's get to the really fun part. Got any food you want to shout out? Eat anything delicious lately? Yes, I went to um, Little Bee Thai because I work across the street from there and I haven't been there before. Oh my gosh, it was so good. I had a tofu pad thai. Mm, it was it was really good and I couldn't eat it all. So it was basically two meals. That's great. Um, yeah, really impressed. And the people were so nice. And and one of my friends, my former co-workers from Den's Tune-Up works there. So it was a cool surprise to see him too. Oh, very cool. That's great. And, you know, speaking of your former job, how's, how has it, and let me shout out Little B as well. I live right up the street from Little B. And when I'm hungry and I'm on my way home and they're open, I pop in, I get some delicious Thai food to bring home. It's great stuff. Um, but Jen, let's take this opportunity just to chat for a minute about your transition from the kitchen where you worked at Ben's Tune-Up into an office where you're sitting right now. So mm -hmm. you're not you are staying uh, a foot in the food service industry by working at the um, at the Civic, Civic, Center. Civic Center, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about that last time you were on. But how emotionally, physically, how's it been transitioning? Well, physically, it's been fantastic. I was having so much trouble with my hands, having a lot of really just really bad pain in my hands. Mm -hmm. And just after the first week of not working in the kitchen, my hands don't really hurt anymore. So I can sew um, without pain after work, which is mm -hmm. really nice. It's it's been a real a real blessing. Um, but also, it's kind of difficult to just be in one spot all day, you know. So they got me a standing desk, so I don't have to sit down all the time because I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, so physically, it's been it's been good. My body hurts a lot less. My hands hurt way less. That's great. Um, emotionally, it's been it's been weird because uh, working in the kitchen, I don't have to use my brain, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> I was able to just listen to books or podcasts or whatever mm. all day long. Mm -hmm. But now I'm using my mind a whole lot more, um, having to focus, and so that part I've been more exhausted and you know mentally exhausted but okay. i feel like i'm i'm getting used to it um so that's it's been a nice change yesterday i went by ben's just to say hi and went and stood next to the grill be between the fryers Aww. and the grill just for old time's sake and i was Aww. like oh it's so warm you're a perpetually cold person is that correct I am. yeah yes. I, I know a bunch of them my, my wife dawn is perpetually cold and i'm perpetually hot um mm -hmm. so we're we're like jack spratt and, <laughs> um so the, well that is very interesting and i'm sure a lot of people can relate to that the food industry comes with physical pain Bad feet, mm -hmm. bad knees, bad hands, 
uh, yeah. carpal tunnel, uh, burns, <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah. literally burned all the time. Cuts. I haven't burned or cut myself in a month. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, man. You yeah. meet chefs and bakers <laughs> and they are covered in little burns. You meet a pizza yes. baker, meet somebody who sticks oh. their hands in a pizza oven all day long and they are covered in these little uh, lines on their arms. Yes. Um, from I've the got plenty of them on my arms. You know? Yeah. Oh, man, maybe I'm realizing that the... the uh that cooking in the kitchen professionally is is related to somehow being a cutter like there's some sort of self <laughs> self-inflicted pain involved with this uh, yeah it's punishment we're punishing ourselves all right i'm of course just kidding about that and that is a serious subject that i probably shouldn't make jokes um <laughs> But Jen, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, catch up with you. You're doing great things with both of your organizations, and you're not just doing important stuff. Importantly, you're also doing fun stuff. Yes, and I think absolutely. These days, all of us, I think you and I are about the same age, Gen X, mm-hmm. Gen, Gen X and younger, we are never going to grow up, right? Like that, no. that ship has sailed. We like it to ain't have- happening. No, we still collect toys. We play games. Mm-hmm. We're just overgrown children yep. in an adult world trying to do the best we can. But if, if it ain't fun, we ain't showing up. You and got that right. So if you want to get stuff done with Gen X and younger, you got to make it at least a little bit fun. And you you guys do that. So thank you very yes. much. Thank you. All right, Jen. Well, always great to have you on. I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Okay. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, wait a minute, Jen. Before we go, weren't you going to tell us something about the the famous TDA, the Tourism Mm -hmm. Development Authority? Yeah, I sure was. Thanks for reminding me. Um, This is a big deal. We have been working with a group of other um, organizations on on a campaign to lobby the Tourism Development Authority who collects the hotel and motel occupancy taxes. Typically, they've used all that money for marketing, but they have a new fund called the Lift Fund in which they can use some of that for community projects that support tourism directly or indirectly. Our argument is that service workers obviously support the tourism industry, and we're having a crisis in affordable housing, as you know, and losing a lot of workers. So we are going to the TDA with our petition that we've been working hard to get signatures on, to ask them to use some of those funds from their new lift fund to support affordable housing for service workers specifically so that we don't lose our tourism industry by losing all the workers who support it. Mm -hmm. Um, We have gathered, as of yesterday, 1,500 signatures. Our goal is 2,000, and we are taking the the petition to the TDA's May 31st meeting, which is at 9 a.m., we're going to gather outside and respectfully greet them to let them know that we would like to have some of those funds, present them our petition, and make public comments supporting our petition. So we'd love it if lots of folks want to come out, just show up and support, make a public comment if you want. They're going to have breakfast, croissants, and coffee and whatnot. There you so, go. yeah. There you go. You just piqued my interest. Breakfast. <laughs> um, and where can people sign the petition? You can go to bunkumdecides.org slash lift, L-I-F-T. Okay, great. 
All right, Jen. Well, I'm glad that you uh, that we caught that at the end because mm-hmm. that is important info. And I could talk to you forever because we haven't even talked about the downtown safety initiative. But maybe mm-hmm. maybe next time you're on, it will be will have been about three weeks in the process, and it's a 60 day initiative. So we'll talk about how it looks and feels because you you live downtown. And yes. so you're probably very in tune to that, but we'll talk about that mm-hmm. next time. So once again, thanks for coming on. Always great to see you and we'll catch up soon. Right on. Peace. Bye. We are going to spread the power of workplace democracy across the city of Asheville. This is just the beginning. Rock your horns for unions. All right, everybody, and that's the end of the show for this week. But before we go, I just want to review a couple of food items. I ate a couple of things I did. I went to Mother Ocean Market up there on Merriman Avenue for a tasting of their new menu, and they busted out a lot of great stuff for us, including two wonderful salads. Now, Mother Ocean Market, in case you're not familiar, is a fish market up on Merriman Ave that also has a kitchen and sit-down area. They make deep-fried stuff as well as other uh, stuff that's not deep-fried, and they served us some... A couple of salads. There was a beautiful salad. One of them was a take on a Caesar salad with some smoked uh, trout on top, I believe. And another was a cob salad with some lobster meat. They were both very fresh and delicious. Not exactly what Mother Ocean is known for, but I have a feeling they're going to a slightly lighter menu for summertime. And they also served us some sandwiches. One of them was a fried calamari sandwich with house-made pickles and such. Very delicious. And the other was a fried hot chicken sandwich. And that one was my favorite. That was a nice piece of battered uh, or more like breaded and deep fried fish with some nice hotness added to it, like a Nashville hot style, but Asheville hot fish and not chicken. And so those things were all delicious. Get on up to Mother Ocean Market if you haven't already and try that stuff out. Also, I just want to say that I went to um, Chestnut for brunch with my family, and we had a wonderful brunch at Chestnut. We had a ton of food. We all ate a bunch. I got some steak and eggs, which is one of my favorite meals of all time. Been having a little bit of a hard time finding a decent offering of steak and eggs here in Asheville. But for brunch at Chestnut right now, they have a sort of steak and eggs Benedict. So it's a really nice uh, muffin or English muffin with a beautiful two, you know, they cut the muffin in half. So you have two halves, then two beautiful little steaks on top of those. They were so perfect and so tender. And then poached eggs on top of that and some special hollandaise sauce that they make in-house and some fried taters, some arugula. Uh, The whole setup was very, very delicious. And I took one little setup home that was like the muffin, the steak, and the egg. And I reheated it at home the next day. And the steak retained its tenderness even upon reheating. So I really recommend that dish at Chestnut. Um, my mom got a, a breakfast sandwich that was very that she liked very much. And my brother-in-law and my sister, they both got shakshuka, which is like a uh, pan, a cast iron pan of a sort of a harissa 
sauce, a tomatoey sauce with some kale and some poached eggs and some crispy chickpeas and then some flatbread, some naan, if you will. And they really loved it. They both crushed theirs. And then the family split uh, a giant sticky bun, uh, enormous cinnamon bun is what it's called. And so the whole family split that. And uh, and it was delicious. So I very much recommend Chestnut on uh, Biltmore Ave right downtown for brunch on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, My whole family enjoyed it. And I think you will, too. All right. Well, that's it for reviews right now. I just want to thank my two guests for coming on. I appreciate them both very much. Thank you all for listening. Please follow me on social media at Stu Helm Food Fan on Facebook, Instagram, and Substack mainly these days. And uh, if you eat something good out there, be sure to find me on social and tell me about it. I will want to know about it. And um, thank you, WPVM, the voice of Asheville in the mountains of Western North Carolina, broadcasting to the world. Uh, I love you, and I love you for taking my little old humble podcast and making it a fun radio broadcast every Friday at 5 p.m. All right, folks, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Bye. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.